And we're live. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back for another day of Saber Sam's DFS Office Hours. It is September 27th, Tuesday, and uh, we are going to be looking ahead to week four of the NFL, baseball winding down. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew Sanchez. I'm one of the newest coaches here at Saber Sam. going to be on office hours uh, regularly, so looking forward to answering some questions and having some awesome conversations about DFS strategy and just DFS in general. So looking at the queue today, not too many questions here to get us going. So if you guys have questions, get them into the Discord channel or get them into the YouTube chat. But that being said, we are going to jump right in. So the first question we have today is from Seabear, and this came in in Discord. So we're going to get to all the Discord questions first, and then we'll be jumping over to YouTube. So the first question reads, I think this is an appropriate office hours question. I'm new to DFS and have a very general question. What is the goal of a diversified portfolio, e.g. for a 20-entry GPP? I had a large spread of scores, 80 to 150, but only five placed, which is close to what is expected based on payout. In some ways, this is good to deal with variance, but ultimately I lost money. Is the goal to shift the overall portfolio higher so more entries place? Try to stay diverse such that eventually one to two may hit big. Just write out the variance over time. So Seabear, I think this is a good question and something that is always important to keep in mind of just how GPPs are structured from a payout perspective. So I think that what's most important to remember is that usually to achieve a payout for any entry, you have to come in approximately like the top 20% of the field gets paid and the payout for that top 20%, the, the like 20th percentile payout is usually double your entry fee. So if you think about it, for every entry, if you were to build a portfolio that's goals were to try and cash, then you're getting paid two to one on an event that statistically happens five out of one time since it's only the top 20%. So the most important thing is to try and build a portfolio of lineups that has the ability to get those exponential payouts places and that those are going to be your lineups that come in the top one percent the top 0.1 percent and higher so i think that the smaller your number of lineups in a contest the more concentrated your lineup allocation should be but as you have more entries the more entries you get the more diverse your portfolio should be so that way you have more chances of getting those exponential payouts because ultimately that is what we are chasing and that is what will uh, keep you in the game and keep your bankroll sustained. So good question there. Hopping over to the next question that came in via DM to Jordan. And um, just Quick note, if you guys have any questions, uh, the Office Hours channel in Discord is the number one place to put those questions. That'll make sure that I see it 
and that it gets answered on stream. So next question here. I'll have an office hours question. When would you say that the NFL season has developed enough that the simulations have a good read on team tendencies, things like a player's usage, players on new teams, rookies, etc.? I know those kinds of things are up in the air early in the season, but oftentimes you begin to see patterns as the season goes on. I'd have to imagine as the season progresses, the simulations only get better, but I wasn't sure when you think that might be. So good question here. I will say that I think it is not as impactful as one might think intuitively and mostly because all the data providers are dealing with the same inputs. And as the season progresses, everyone's learning more about how teams are using their running backs, wide receivers, how many uh targets certain players are getting so i think that like every every game every week is a new data point for an individual team and then what happens is our models team puts that into the sim and then the sim gets smarter as the year goes on just because it has more data points so i think early in the season things like the cam makers daryl henderson uh, snap counts was like really hard to understand. And I don't think a lot of people, almost anybody knew how that was going to unfold. So it's a very murky situation earlier in the year, but as we're now into week three, we're kind of getting to see that where those splits actually lie. And so the SIM is dialing in further every week, but I don't think it's something that one person or one team has an advantage on from a modeling projection perspective than, than anybody else does. So Sim gets smarter every week. Uh, good question. And uh, we're going to move right on to BRAD1337 here, coming in with a question about correlation and the new rules. So let's throw this up here. BRAD said, sorry if this was asked already, but is there a reason you didn't add correlation to the rules, such as stack at least X from primary team correlation dot XX or greater? So BRAD, I think this is very interesting, and I think that it is something. So if you're not familiar with what BRAD is talking about, BRAD is referring to the lineup rules over here, and what he is saying is to do a group rule that's an if then so if i wanted to say actually let's hover over to the main slate got the fanduel main slate pulled up here ran a couple builds before we uh got going that way you didn't have to uh stare at a blank screen while it uh builds so let's go over here and build a group rule so what b is saying is if i use an automatic group rule and say if at least one player from this team. So in this case, we're going to say, if I have a quarterback on a specific team, then I want to use at least one player that is a pass catcher in this instance. And I want to add a stat requirement that this secondary player has a certain correlation value to the quarterback. So if we were saying Josh Allen, right? So 
the question is asking if I have Josh Allen, I want to put a rule that he has to get stacked with at least one pass catcher, and then you could determine this value based on the correlation coefficient here and say it has to be above 0.25 correlation to Josh Allen. So then no matter what, you know you'll get one of these three guys here. I think it's a really interesting idea, and it's something that I haven't heard anybody bring up before. This is the first time I'm hearing this use case. Um, so I think it's a, it's a really good question. I know that something I've been wanting to see is like the ability to add like percentiles into the stat requirement. Um, so I'm going to take that back to the team as a suggestion, B-Rad, and see if that's something that we want to build in and if that's uh, feasible. And uh, so I think it's a great question. So I'm going to take that back to the team and uh, we'll see if we can uh, get that in there. So awesome. I'm just making a quick note, correlation in rules, stats. Okay. Next question here coming in from Soccer Kid 37 and Soccer Kid is asking about managing exposures in step three, which is, I think is a great thing to touch on here. So the question says, do you have any advice or a more scientific approach to managing exposures in step three? A lot of the time I feel like I'm just picking arbitrary numbers and going from there. So soccer kid, I think we've all been there and I uh, kind of understand what you're talking about. So let's, let's hop into a default build here that I ran and let's see what kind of exposures we're getting and let's see, uh, if we can come at this from a more scientific approach. So what, what I like to do in general is look at individual players uh, based on position. So one, one important thing is when you're looking at running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, if you go into any of these dropdowns and I decrease Ezekiel Elliott to 50%, I could decrease him here in running back slot but then he could get bumped up again here in the flex. So there's just like a slight nuance there when you're managing exposures for running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends to always go into all. And the easiest thing to do is come into the search bar and then just type running back. And then this will manage both running back and flex exposure. So just one, one sidebar there. But if, if I were looking at this, the two things that I'm really going to focus in on are one, what is their ownership projected at? And then two, what is the pool exposure that we're seeing for this player? And those are two signals that I personally use to determine how much exposure I want to a certain player. So I could see that Ezekiel Elliott's oops. Fail Mary. Thank you for mentioning that the screen share is not on. I appreciate you a lot. One of these days I'm going to figure that out. Okay, you should see the screen. Fail Mary. Good looking out, my friend. So if you could, if you could let me know that you're seeing the screen share, that would be awesome. Just a quick confirmation. But um, I don't, I don't think we were too far into this. So here you're going to see Ezekiel Elliott. And you're going to see his ownership coming in at 10%. And you're going to see his pool exposure at 21%. And we're getting about 60% of him. So compare that to somebody like Jonathan Taylor, 
whose ownership is 25%, but our pool exposure is 53%. So this exposure of 65% here for Jonathan Taylor, if I were looking at it, I'd say, okay, we're getting about 2x Jonathan Taylor in our pool, and our exposure is a little more than this pool. So I'm I'm comfortable leaving this where it is. But when you come down to like someone like Ezekiel Elliott, he's already 2x in the pool, but then his exposure is like 3x what our pool is. I think for me, this might be a little too much. So I would dial this down to about like 40%. And I'd really try and think about things in multiples of the ownership. So 2x ownership, 3x ownership, 4x ownership, or even if say I didn't want to play Jonathan Taylor, even though he's 53% uh, optimal in my pool of 500 lineups that SaberSim has given me, I'm going to dial this down. Maybe I just say, no, I just want to, I just want to match the field or I want to be half the field because I am just very convicted that Jonathan Taylor is going to have a bad game for one reason or another. And so coming, coming from, where where I typically fall on the spectrum is thinking about things in halves, doubles, triples, a third, quarters, 4x. So I um not to say that's the only way to do it, but that's just the way that I've found useful and that I like to uh build my lineups taking that approach. So I hope that uh gives you a little more art than science. It's a little bit of a gray area there, but um Nevertheless, I think that is a good starting point for, for most people. So next question coming in from Fail Mary, saving the day on the screen share and uh, now asking a really, really good question. So I know there was a uh, couple of responses to this already in Discord from, from different users on their thoughts. So let's dive in here. I have an office hours question that applies to the new advanced rules. Wouldn't it make sense to have a post-build rules section? If using several rules slows down the builds, would it not be faster and more organic to generate a 1500 lineup pool without rules than apply the rule filter post build? So fail Mary, I really like where your head's at on this one. Uh, one quick thing I do wanna note is that on Monday morning, the team made some adjustments to the builder to make sure that builds were running at high speed. So the team is always working to improve the build speed, uh, especially on um, Sundays when, when, you know, a lot of people are building. So uh, team, team is on that one and a high priority on their list, which they've already made adjustments to. But going, going back to the question, I think that it would be a little tough to, to build 1,500 lineups and then now start adding in rules because what you're basically doing is you're just like deleting a lot of builds at once. And and the 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 builder understands correlation, the builder understands ownership fade. But I think that there the reason we added the lineup rules dashboard was so people could get something that the builder wasn't already giving them naturally. So I think what's gonna happen is if you do this, is you're gonna come in here into your build of 1500 lineups and then you're going to add a rule that's just not inherently in the builder 
in the first place. Because if it was if it was already populating in the build, then you probably wouldn't even need the rule in the in in the home screen to put it in there. I, and I think that's like what the rules dashboard, how you should think about it is like, this is to give you something that allows you to have a little bit more control to do some things that SaberSim wasn't naturally doing. So then if you, if you let SaberSim build organically, you're probably not going to get those things that, that you had to tell the builder to give you in step one. So I think like you'll go from 1500 lineups down to a very small number of lineups really quickly. And it could make sense if you're running like single entry or like three max, not building a lot of lineups. But when you're building like a very big, diverse pool, playing 150s, playing 20 maxes, playing those diversifiers, I think you would run out of lineups really quickly. So that's that's what I think. I think it's a, it's a great idea and a uh, sharp question. But I, but I have a feeling a lot of people will run into builds where it's saying uh, – not able to meet exposures. So that's that's kind of where I fall on the question. Next question coming in from TBK talking about um, exposure to quarterbacks. So the question reads, good afternoon, Saber Sim team. I have a quick question. Let's say for last Sunday's main slate, I wanted to build my lineups with only a limited pool of quarterbacks. How would I go about doing so? For example, only Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson. So TBK, the answer is really easy. So you would just go home here and you would just go to whatever slate you're playing and you would hover over to quarterbacks. I think the easiest thing to do is to hit this little button here. This will remove all the players in whatever drop down. And then you can just check those players back in. So then I would hit Jalen Hurts. And then I would hit Lamar Jackson. And so now those are going to be the only two quarterbacks that can be put into lineups. So that's how you would achieve that. Check everybody back in. All right. Next question here from Joe Baby Blue. And uh, guys, just, just one more reminder. Uh, this is already the last question in the queue. I'm happy to sit here and talk about baseball slate today or the upcoming Thursday night showdown, whatever you guys want to talk about, any other questions you guys have, but uh, get those either into YouTube chat or the discord. So couple, couple more questions. Um, hopefully, hopefully some more come in, but this one came in from Joe baby blue and Joe baby blue said, I feel low owned plays is what it takes to win some of these large field contests Many times an obscure third stringer. I am brainstorming some rules to add a low owned player or two to my lineup. When, when I change at least, I'm sorry. I am brainstorming some rules to add a low owned player or two to my lineup. Um, oh, that's what happened. The the question got out of out of uh, order. So it says uh, when I go to auto group at least two i'm sorry guys so this question's all out of sorts i feel lone plays is what it takes to win some of these large field contests many times an obscure third stringer i am brainstorming some rules to add a low owned player or two to my lineup when i go to group auto at least two statistic less than two percent my own if all of the positions are checked off then this will give me two players from qb 
running back, wide receiver, tight end, flex, defense that are less than 2% owned, correct? When I change to at least three, it can't create lineups. Surprised by that, vice versa. If I had a wide receiver checked, it would always choose at least two low-owned wide receivers, correct? I'm trying to figure out ways to effectively incorporate but not overly forcing any other advice or opinions regarding setting this type of rule up. So Joe Baby Blue, a little, uh, a lot to unpack here, but I think basically the question is kind of asking, you know, how do I get low-owned upside players into my lineups? And I think it's an important question, and it's ultimately uh, how you take down GPPs. A, a lot of the time you need those ceiling performances. But I would say first place I would start is that if you want to experiment before the weekend, I would say come in here and increase your sim precision. So what happens is at sim precision six, we're using 18 sims of a, um, or we'll say five, we're using average projection of 28 sims per lineup. So what happens is we're taking somebody like Jamar Chase and taking all of their outcomes from a 28 uh, sim sample and then using that projection to build a lineup. So if you're looking for like guys that go off every once in a while, the better thing to do is to use less sims. So when those outcomes do happen in the sim, it has a bigger impact and that player gets into the lineups more often. So I would crank it up to like eight. And you can see here that your average projection of six sims. So those ceiling performances will have a bigger impact the higher this correlation slider goes. But getting back to the question about the uh, rule. So one, one thing you could do is you could come in here and you could say add new rule. And then you could say um, group auto. And then use at least one player. So, so if you check have all of these checked and I, I would check it by uh by player for this instance, because you don't care what team they're on. You just want all of the less than 2% owned guys in, in one group, but I would say positions. And then I would probably remove defense and quarterback and probably just keep it to position players. I don't think that you need to get too crazy with low owned quarterbacks specifically. And then you would add a stat requirement saying my own, less than and then in this case we would say two and then i want to use at least one player per lineup for this and then i would save it so you're going to have 178 manual rules but you just save this as an auto rule it'll be live here and if we were to run some lineups really quickly with this rule active we should see that we have at least one player in each lineup that is less than two percent owned so Let's build some lineups here. I know it said that you said that you were having some issues when you started cranking this up to um, to two, to three, et cetera. So let's see what happens here. It looks like we're getting some, some issues out of the gate with this rule. Uh-oh. So maybe, maybe you're experiencing a bug here, and uh, you might have just pointed it out to me. So let me, let me come back here and make sure I don't have any reflect uh, conflicting rules. So these are all unchecked. Let's look at this one more time. So use at least one player from these positions that my own is less than two. So then 
I think the best thing to do is come in here and sort by ownership and then see where that cutoff is. So if we come down here and look, so we do have guys that are less than 2% owned that are viable for our lineups. So uh, Joe, not sure exactly what's happening here. Let me take this back to the support team and I will bring this up again on tomorrow's office hours. But for now, I'm going to log this as a bug and this up. Perfect opportunity to show off this. So go into settings, go into report a problem, and then type in a quick description saying rule is not working correctly. Just something that helps the team identify what the problem is uh, when setting stat requirement of less than 2% on – oops, that's greater than – and then hit submit there. And then the team, this will give the team a lot of information about your session and it'll help them to resolve the problem sooner. So let me double back on that tomorrow and we'll see if we have a fix for that. So, but, but, but ultimately that's the rule that, that you're looking for. I would say that, you know, any, any tips or advice is what I already touched on with the sim precision slider and getting those outlier performances to have a bigger impact um, when we're pulling out the sims from from the buckets. So I think that's a great place to start for now. Okay. Uh, next question here from Jay Stanger95. And Jay Stanger is talking about filling entries in the entry editor. So the question reads, can you go over the fill entries options and the advantages slash disadvantages are for each option, rank, unique random, unique rank, et cetera. Going off of that, should I be building a new lineup pool for every single entry I enter or can I group them out more? So uh, Jay Sanger, good question. Let's hop over to the entry editor. I don't have any entries for this upcoming NFL slate yet but I can talk about our filling options from a build. So when you, when you run lineups and you come into a build, you're going to have this green box in the corner that says fill entries. So I would click on this. From here, you can download your template file from either FanDuel or DraftKings. When you're on DraftKings and you click this button, it'll download automatically. You just drag the file right up into here and it'll load your CSV for FanDuel. It'll take you to the upcoming uh, slates page and then you have to manually download it because FanDuel is a little clunkier. So anyways, your entry file will come in here and you will be able to fill your entries from there. So let's go back to the past slate where I do have some entries. Um, okay. I have some entries for the DraftKings showdown on uh, this upcoming Thursday. So, Let's go into our default build here and act like we're going to be putting lineups in. So you go to fill entries and then boom, you have all these options. So what rank does is that it will take the number of lineups you have. So in this case, 20, and it'll fill the first 20 lineups going down. So like, let's say it's like, this will get all 20, all 20, all 20, all 20. This will get one through 10. 
in your lineup set sequentially. And then this will get one through three. And then one through three will be duplicated again. So you're using the top lineups in Sabre score or however you rank your lineups. And that'll just uh, you be used again and again. So like every single entry will have this lineup in it. So then this lineup will get used more often than every other lineup in your pool. So second option is to use unique rank. So what this does is that, and I'm excluding this 150 because I don't even have a 150 build at the moment. But what this does is that it'll use 1 through 20 in order. And then, like, let's say say we're filling this uh, 10 entry. It'll go, your first 10 lineups will go into here. And then 11, 12, 13 will go into this 3 max. And then the next 3 will go into this one until you hit your 20. And then it'll restart. So if this is like where we hit 20 and then one will go into the next one. So you're spreading out and not using the rank method. So like that number one lineup isn't being used as much. All 20 lineups are being used. And then unique random, similar to unique rank, uh, instead of going in order, it just randomly fills it. So like if I use one through 10 here, I could use like 17, 18, 19 here, and then it'll just uniquely randomly fill all the lineups that way all the lineups are used an equal number of times for as many entries as there are and then exact is like if i was building if i wanted to build a 20 max and then fill only my 20 maxes i could uh use exact and then those lineups will only go into the four 20 maxes that i have here so that's the best way to uh understand it and i personally think that Rank is a very uh, high-variance approach to filling lineups. I think that unique random and unique rank are better options. You just make sure that all the lineups you build are getting used an equal number of times for as many entries as can be filled. So I personally like to use unique random, just a little more random chance, because one thing I do want to point out is that, you know, Sab Sabre score is, is looking for, like, high upside lineups and and sometimes what will happen is that certain lineup combinations or styles will get grouped kind of toward the top of your lineups so like it showdown's a bad example so let's let's go to like the main slate but you'll see like we have like josh allen josh allen josh allen in like our first three lineups so if you're filling with unique rank you have to understand that like um, you, this this first one that you fill is probably going to have a lot of Josh Allen lineups in it, and then as you get further down your your pool, then the Josh Allen lineups are going to disappear. So like the Josh Allen concentration is really like toward the top of your lineup set. So one way to like make sure that that diversifies is to use unique random. So like it won't just be like oh I have. 10 entries and they're all Josh Allen. It's like, okay, some Josh Allen will go here. Some Josh Allen will go there. So I just think unique random is like a little better approach for filling lineups. All right. Another question from fail Mary here. And keep the questions coming. I am an MLB noob from a knowledge standpoint. What's the best way for me to find players that should almost always be included in certain team stacks, best batters for teams, etc. So 
Uh, let's hover over to the MLB slate for today. And I believe we still have a little time for the main slate kicks off. So we'll talk a little main slate strategy. So, so Phil, Mary, I think that um, one thing that you can you can do now that you couldn't do before is something that Jordan likes to do, and it's set a rule that a group rule for certain types of players. And what he likes to do is set a rule for like players on a team that are low uh, home run hitters. And you can, you can see that in what their uh, home run rate is. So let's go to batters. And then you can see like what our Sims say, how often somebody hits a home run. So, so what Jordan likes to come in here and do is set a rule so players like uh, home run players like Brendan Donovan will only be used in a stack because his home run rate is less than 0.1. So then you can come in here and then add a rule, go to groups, go to if, or I'm sorry, go to automatic, go to if, if at least one player who is not a pitcher and we'll group it by team because we're talking about stacks. So we're going to put their home run rate is less than 0.1. Then use at least, we'll say three players from the same team as their primary team, and we'll exclude pitchers. So that way we know every player whose home run rate is less than 0.1, they're going to be used in a stack. And this is just a way to like decrease some of those like low upside one-offs in your lineups. And so instead of thinking of like who always has to be stacked, I would say who do you not want to use as a one-off? And and uh, instead of looking for like the the centerpiece of like a stack, like always stock stack around Aaron Judge, always stack around Ronald Acuna. I would say like. Look for these guys that you're not going to want as one-offs and then make sure to build stacks around them as like a safety net. And um, this is this is a rule that I think if I was still playing baseball regularly that I would incorporate into my own lineups because I think it does make a lot of sense from wanting players who have standalone value and that typically comes from hitting home runs where like a home run is like 14 points and one swing of the back can give the guy all the value he needs on a, on any given night. So I think, I think this rule is a good starting point. And um, this is something that, that I would implement myself. So, all right, going, going over to YouTube chat now, guys, seeing what we got going on over here. See a question here from Patrick. Patrick asks, how comparable is smart randomness to sim precision? I'm trying to mimic the default NFL sliders for sims that you don't support. So Patrick, I would say that they are very, very different and I would not treat them as the same at all. So the sim precision, what that's doing is that is going into our sim database and like from here, this is like a player's range of outcomes in the sim database. So we're saying that in 25% of sims, Mike Trout gets zero points. And in 1% of Sims, he's scoring like 30 to 40 points. 
So this this is a this is a very very useful thing to look at because smart randomness the 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 sports that we have smart randomness for like like college football we don't have sims for so there is no range of outcomes that we have so in in sports like that smart randomness is working in the same way a traditional optimizer would work and as far as the slider settings for those sports, I think that you're not going to gain a lot of edge trying to adjust the sliders a ton just because, one, there there is no correlation. So then you're going to be missing out on the correlation value. And you could, you could use the ownership fade, but I think smart randomness is just looking at players as if they were normally distributed, which we know that they're not based on our simulation data. So I would, um, I actually don't know if I'm assuming we don't test this because we don't support it. So I don't know how it gets set at zero and five. Um, I could check on that and get back to you, but I, I wouldn't put a lot of faith in these sliders since we don't support these sports. So let me just make a quick note, smart randomness setting for sports that we don't support, and I will uh, get an answer back to you on that one. But Okay, so scrolling here through YouTube chat. <laughs> Funny comment here from, from HC. Hey, Jordan, been a while. Uh, you got younger and taller. Uh, that's funny. I don't, I don't know if I'm taller than Jordan, but um, yes, a little cut my hair. And I uh, looking looking a little little uh, less hair on the face as well these days. So uh, gonna be uh, getting some YouTube thumbnail upgrades so I can uh, join in on all the fun. Uh, quick one here from Fail Mary. Hit that like button. I gotta run. Thanks for answering my questions. Of course, Fail Mary. Uh, drop by anytime. Always happy to uh, have you in the chat. So that being said, guys, I don't see any more questions. Uh, I know I've given a ring a couple times now. So I hope uh, everyone is enjoying the streams and we will be right back here tomorrow. Looking forward to talking some more sports. So thank you guys and take care.